So, uh, I was supposed to yesterday um, give a brief word of testimony concerning my own conversion to Christ and call to the ministry. Um, I'll just try to make this as succinct as possible because I really want to get into the passage that we're going to be looking at. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, um, wonderful father, wonderful mother. Um, I grew up going to church. Church was an event. Church was a big deal. Church... Sunday morning started on Saturday night. Um, I just didn't know the Lord, and I don't know how much gospel was being preached. I just know it never rang in my heart with clarity and conviction. Uh, I was always very moral and a very submissive son to my parents, but I didn't know the Lord, and I didn't know that I didn't know the Lord. Um, When I was in high school... I began attending a high school ministry called Young Life, and for the first time really began to be exposed to clear Bible teaching, Um, but I still didn't know the Lord. And so I was 17 years old, and before my senior year in high school, um, everyone was going to Young Life camp. And I was in Memphis, Tennessee, and camp was in Colorado, and it just seemed like a fun thing to do. And um, I played football on the football team, and some other guys were going, and more importantly, the cheerleaders were going. So uh, (laughs) I um, decided to go, and I remember as I went, it was way up in the Rocky Mountains, Um, The first night, the speaker spoke from John chapter 2, Jesus turning water into wine. And he made the point, and God just gave me ears to hear for the first time and eyes to see, that God desires to do the very same thing in your life, to transform you from the inside out, which would be the new birth. And he desires to take, like he did in this miracle, he took just dirty, I remember these words, dirty, dingy, stagnant water and transform it into the most robust wine that has ever been made. And that's what God wants to do in your life. That's what God needs to do in your life. And then he alluded to the next chapter in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, you must be born again, that this miracle is really a picture of the new birth. And after the meeting was over, and I'm just with, you know, let's say 200 high school kids were sitting on the floor around a... Uh, a fireplace, and the man is standing there speaking with just a Bible. He says, I want you to go out into the night, and if this has never happened in your life, you need to ask God to do this in your life. So I'd never heard something so clear and so pointed to me. Great preaching gets to the you. And this is the first time I really felt almost the finger of God just pushing on my chest. So I walked out into the, it was dark, Rocky Mountains, stars above, and I could see the outline of mountains, 
And I barely knew how to even articulate what was in my heart other than, God, I want you to do this in my life. I want you to take my dirty, dingy, stagnant heart and life and change it and transform me and make me a Christian. It wasn't theologically profound. It, it, I didn't really even know how to articulate, but it, it was real. And God met with me. And I met with God. And I was, for a moral, non-troublesome little kid, I was immediately impacted and was never the same. I remember it's like a 20-hour bus ride back to Memphis. And as soon as I got back, my bedroom just had... It was just plastered with football pictures. I mean, that was my life, was playing football. And I remember after that, somehow, someway, I'm in a Christian bookstore, and I saw this poster of Jesus, and the words were, One Solitary Life. And it's kind of a description of all the armies that have ever marched and all the navies that have ever sailed and... All the sentence that have ever met have never impacted the lives of men more than this one solitary life. You know, that's me. I remember putting it over some of those football pictures. And so my life just pivoted fairly dramatically for someone who really was not in deep trouble with anyone other than with the Lord. So that was age 17, and I signed a football scholarship, and from Memphis, Tennessee, I went to Texas Tech University. I'd been involved in kind of recruiting with different colleges, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Somehow, someway, I ended up at Texas Tech to play football. And I was there for the next four years. And when I was 18 years old, so that would be just my freshman year, one year later, there was a weekend of champions. It was a Fellowship of Christian Athletes thing down in Abilene, Texas, and Dallas Cowboys were there, and guys from Texas and TCU and SMU, et cetera, et cetera, were, were there. And we were doing small group things with high school kids and playing touch football with them, etc. And it came Sunday, and they, I didn't realize this, everyone was going to have to go out and be in a church and pray in the service. And I thought, I've never prayed out loud. I've, I've never prayed in a church. And so they sent me out literally into the middle of nowhere. It would be like a John Wayne movie set out in West Texas. And I walked in this little town that just had a grain elevator and a general store and a gas station and a post office. And the pastor said, 
We're so glad you're here. Um, we've been telling the people a football player be coming and that you'll be giving the morning sermon. <laughs> the true story. And I said, sir, I've, I've never even prayed <laughs> in public. I don't have a sermon. I don't have a message. I've never given a message. I've never put a message together. And he said, well, the people will be very disappointed. <laughs> and so I, I would never want to disappoint you, but I have nothing. And in my mind, I'm trying to come up with, what would I even, what would I even say in a prayer? So the service starts, and we sing some hymns, and I mean, it's probably half the size of this. It's just a tiny little Baptist church. And so it comes time for me to give the prayer. So he says, Steve Lawson now, et cetera, et cetera, will come and give the prayer. So I get up out of my little pew, and I walk up to the pulpit, and he keeps talking. And when I get to the steps, he says, and Steve Lawson will now bring the morning sermon. And he just looked at me. So now I'm standing in a pulpit in front of people, and I don't even have a sermon. And this is how I got into what I now do. <laughs> Speak without anything to say. <laughs> and so all I had was a New Testament. And it was a living Bible. Most of you are too young to know. That was an old, horrible paraphrase. <laughs> it doesn't even count as a translation. It's as far away from the King James Version as you can possibly be. And all I had was this, it was a hardback New Testament with pictures in it. And it, it had pictures of athletes in it. So I, I could resonate with this, you know, run the race to win. And so I was like a thousand miles away from home. There's 30,000 people on campus. I don't know anybody. And it's for cell phones, iPad, whatever. There's a payphone at the end of the hall in, in, in my dorm. I'm as lonely and as far away from anything as you could possibly be. And I had been sitting in my dorm room furiously reading my Bible just devouring my Bible, just reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it. And I came across that verse in Hebrews 13, I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. And that was like my lifeline. That, that was like my anchor, that God was with me, and He would never leave me. So all I knew to do was to open to Hebrews 13. I don't have a study Bible. I don't have a commentary. I don't even own a Christian book. I just have this New Testament. And so I turned to Hebrews 13. I've never even heard a, a Bible message other than at that young life camp. So I turned to Hebrews 13. I, I read the verse, and it just seemed to me the thing to do would be to read the verse explain the verse, and apply the verse. <laughs> How simple. It just seemed to be the obvious thing to do in the spur of the moment. What else would I do? So I read the passage, and I just tried to explain. I, 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 do, I wouldn't know, 
omnipresence from an omnibus. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't even have theological categories. Nothing. And so I began to explain, I'm a long way from home, but the Lord is with me. And I tried to begin to relate it. And I said, you know, and, and this is like, this is the most country West Texas scene you can even imagine. I'm the only person in the building without blue jeans on, okay? <laughs> and I said, you know, you can be in your field working, and God is with you. You can go to the barn. God is with you. You bring in your harvest. God is with you. Wherever you go, God is with you. Well, a couple men said, Amen. I've never heard anyone say, Amen. I thought they were upset with me. <laughs> so I kind of take a step back and try it again. <laughs> there you go, Amen, Amen. And I kind of realize they're not against me, maybe they're for me. And so I kind of keep going, and it was, I can't tell you how terrified I was to stand before a group of people. I, I played quarterback, and I, I'd be called out at pep rallies to come up on the platform and be given the player of the week or the player of the whatever for the city of Memphis, and I'd, I'd go up there, I, I have nothing to say, just hand me the plaque and I go sit down. I'm terrified. And in that moment, I felt like a round peg in a round hole. And when it was over, I thought, I think that's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. That I was able to tell other people about Jesus Christ. So I went back to school. I've got a full schedule, classes, I've got football practice, we've got games. I thought, I've, I've got to do this again. Well, no one's going to ask me to come speak. So I thought, I'm just going to have to create a group of people to come together, and I'll, st I'll invite them, and I'll stand in front of them and talk. So I created a high school ministry and kids began to come and sit on the floor, and I would stand up and talk. And kids started being saved and coming to Christ, and their lives being changed. And the thing just grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and we couldn't meet in a home anymore, and we met in a bank. And God was planting in my heart the desire to preach His Word. I barely knew what to say. All I could do, I still, I don't even have a study Bible. I don't have a commentary. I don't have a Christian book. All I have is a Bible. And so I would just take stories out of the four Gospels and just try to explain what that means. And I remember the first one I did was Mark chapter 2 the paralytic who's lowered down through the roof. Son, your sins are forgiven. I couldn't do a word study on forgiven. I had no idea. I didn't even know I was supposed to know. 
what the word forgiven meant. It just seemed to me it was wiping the slate clean and God removing my sins from me. And so I just did simple things like that. I still have never even heard an expositor. I've never even heard someone preach through a passage of Scripture in a formal sermon. I've never heard anyone preach through a book in the Bible. I've never heard anyone preach on a doctrine. And so I finally, just fast forward, I went to law school. This is not me. I did politics. This is not me. I worked for the last man who beat George W. Bush in a political race. It was quite an education. This is just, this is not me. Until finally, I wrestled, wrestled with, would God want me to preach His Word? I knew I wanted to preach His Word, but would God want me? And I remember hearing in church for the first time sitting under an expositor, Isaiah 66, verse 2, I will look unto this one who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. I thought, well, God, I tremble at your word. I can be humble. I need to be humble. I need to be more humble, humbler. And I thought God would look my way because I take his word so serious. So, I remember I got in the, I was working at First National Bank in Memphis, Tennessee, downtown, one of these tall 30-story buildings, and I remember getting in the elevator and going up to the top floor where the president's office was and walking in and saying, I'm resigning, I'm going to seminary, and him saying, you're crazy. I mean, we have this career path for you. Um, The mayor wants to run you for office. You have this and that. I said, sir, you don't understand. I didn't even know the word called, you know, called to preach. I just knew I had to preach. And so I had a little white Volkswagen bug, and everything I owned I put in the back of the white bug, I didn't have a credit card. I had $100 and just got in my little car and drove to Texas to go to seminary, having no place to live, having nothing, really. It's just, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I found a, somebody had sheetrocked a garage on the back of their house. And so I, I lived in this little garage. Um, but it's kind of like whatever it takes, that, that's what I'm going to do. So that's how God called me to preach. It's, it's just an overwhelming compulsion that I have to do this. It's not I can do this, not I'd like to do this. It's I'd rather die than not do this. So, Stephen, that's it. Okay, that's it.
It's the best I got. It's the best I got.